You've tuned in to 96.7 on your FM dial. 96.7 is also known as CKLU. You can listen as well synchronously to cklu.ca. And if you want to have it more convenient for you, there are podcasts available as well. This is Hugh Cruzel, and the program is called QOL, although this is a special that generally specials happen, well, when something special is going on. This is not exactly special. The pandemic COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2, oh, it's messing with all kinds of things, including, well, municipal plans. And I have a guest today, Meredith Armstrong. Now, Meredith, you are the acting director of economic development. Am I getting that right? That's correct. Yeah, for the city of Greater Sudbury or CGS, are you seeing some? Cha- I mean, you must be seeing some challenges. This is difficult for business, and business is what you do, right? That's right. The economic development team at the city, really, when it comes down to it, we are about attracting investment, growing the tax base, uh, attracting uh, tourism business to our attractions and our businesses, and, and really supporting the entrepreneur as well. So you can say that again. It really has been a tough time for for our businesses and for our economy as it has been across the whole world. But we we really are seeing some uh, resiliency and some, some innovative solution-oriented thinking in terms of private sector and not-for-profit. So there are some glimmers of hope here and there. Oh, definitely. And, you know, many people say that Sudbury is actually well-positioned to deal with some of this because much of our business is not tied to the same things that other parts of the world are. The mining business has continued and continued to, to well, it hasn't faltered during this period, has it? Mining, supply, and service really is the core of, of, of what makes us resilient. We've got mining, of course, and the, and the resource extraction, but also it's that expertise and that knowledge base that, that helps us. And in fact, you're, you're right, the numbers that we're seeing, for instance, the, the labor force updates, we see this subway often is not quite as bad off as other places. And that's happened before. We saw the same kind of trend with our statistics back 2008, 2009. So things hit us differently and sometimes a little bit more slowly here in Sudbury speaks to that mining as a core, but also we just we have a bit of a resiliency uh, to weather the storm in a different way. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, folks, if you're listening from somewhere away, you might think that Sudbury is exclusively a mining town. It isn't. We're very much, uh, we have a lot of thought industry here. We have so many other things, and I'm sure Meredith will will, um, illuminate some of those things to you as we talk. Now, you know, we have three post-secondary institutions. We have a very large regional hospital. We have so many other, don't we, Meredith? we, We have... We have quite a lot of the vibrancy beyond the mining world. We have diversified a lot. You're right. We have Canada Research Chairs. We have two fantastic colleges and a university. We have a school of architecture. We have a school of medicine. Um, you're right. It's, it's, it's one of the largest hospitals uh, in the province. And, and there's a lot of really good stuff going on in arts and culture, shopping and restaurants. Our film and television sector is a, is a very big one. Uh, millions of dollars in production each year. So, yeah, I think we have diversified a lot in the last, say, 30 years from where we were coming from as a as a mining camp back in the day. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a good can-do attitude, don't we? I think Sudburyans are known for not taking themselves too seriously and really just getting down to business. So I think that's, that's what we have done before. We've been through tough times before, and, and I think that's always kind of in the back of our memories that, that we have weathered. Uh, really tough times before, and we can do it again. You were thinking about like the 1978 
uh, strike, uh, although you're too young to remember that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, that was that was a toughie. Well, I think if you look at the early 80s, for instance, Science North as an attraction is uh, a really innovative solution and an opportunity that was pursued doggedly by the community, partly in response to very tough economic times in the late 70s and early 80s. Mm-hmm. Well, our readiness to restart has also included um, re- redirecting some of our manufacturing, because we do have a strong manufacturing base as well, not just in mining equipment, but you mentioned mining supply and services, and that includes things like gloves and, and clothing, and I'm thinking of cover gals and, and all those other things. I mean, we've also manufactured vital goods in this crisis, haven't we? There's a long list of uh, companies locally who quickly pivoted to producing uh, essential items to fight the COVID uh, fight, and uh, Cover Gals is a really good example. We have uh, companies that have switched to producing devices that fog, uh, that, that, that can sanitize through like a fog mechanism. We have a whole collection of, of organizations with 3D printers who partnered together very quickly to start producing the components for protective equipment, including Science North and Laurentian and other folks who would not normally even think in that realm and who just quickly, you know, answered the call and came together an opportunity to change direction quickly and without any thought for, you know, the challenges, really not letting it um, stop the new thinking and, and the partnership. That was it's really impressive. Yes, absolutely. Now, we should rem- mention as well that there's quite a strong research component. You mentioned the research chairs, but there are facilities here in Sudbury that conduct uh, medical research and, and others. And we can't neglect, of course, uh, our, our neutrino uh, facility as well. I mean, we're talking PhDs, we're talking tech people, we're talking um, uh, electronic technologists, and uh, it, it's, it's a fascinating place, diverse place, isn't it? Uh, Snow Lab is a really good example. In fact, you know, in, along the same vein of the new partnerships, I believe they were involved in, in creating components for ventilators that, that use readily available, um, you know, parts. And so, you know, we often, uh, we don't quite blow our own horn <laughs> to celebrate as much as we should here in February. And so, Snow Lab is one of, it's a worldwide, uh, it's a gem. Uh, it's Nobel Prize winning research coming out of that. That is uh, absolutely Nobel correct. Have, it is. It is Nobel Prize. I've actually held that Nobel Prize in my hands. So have I. I'll have a picture <laughs> with it. That was a, a marvelous experience to be there of when uh, when. Uh, Dr. McDonald shared that with us. Now, we can't neglect as well uh, companies like uh, Ionic, uh, Ionic uh, over in uh, Lively, and of course, Norcat. I mean, um, close to my heart, we should talk about what Norcat has to do, although we could do that at a later date. But uh, you, you believe strongly in what Norcat's doing, too. Of course. Uh, we're a very close uh, partner with Norcat, and both the city uh, and the Greater Summer Development Corporation have provided funding and support of Norcat. Uh, we're really pleased to see that the construction uh, restrictions have been lifted so that NORCAT can continue with the... Yeah. Yes, uh, the new underground uh, center, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I think really what we're trying to foster is a continuum of um, entrepreneurship uh, from, you know, an idea scribbled on the back of a, of a napkin brought into our regional business center through to, you know, accessing funding like the Catalyst Fund or the GSC board funding all the way through to commercialization and, 
and intellectual property and, and all of that. So I think NORCAD is firmly in the middle of that and, and a part of, of the success of that pipeline. Well, the, and that building was supposed to be finished like a month ago. And here we are now in, in well, approaching the end of May. I don't know how many more months of work there will be, but let's assume that we were out of circulation for two and a half months. I guess it'll be September before we really see that center up and running. Uh, fingers crossed, right? So your department has been very uh, focused on things. And now you and I are holding this conversation over the phone. Are you going into the office at all? We, you know, there are hundreds and hundreds of people who work at the city who were able to switch very quickly to working at home. Yes. And the economic development team is no different. We have about 22 people working just as hard as always from their home offices. And we are able to provide the same level of service to our clients and our stakeholders and our partners using virtual means on the phone. We spend a lot of time on video chat. We have held seminars and coffee chats. The Regional Business Center, for instance, has been offering coffee chats, a half an hour conversation with a local entrepreneur who has pivoted to address the current challenges. And we're seeing increasing numbers tune in that way, too. So, yes, we, we, within days, I have to, you know, tip my hat to the city's IT department and, and, and senior management because the decision was made and we made it happen within days and people really lost very little time in, in switching gears and, and adapting to a new a new uh, work environment. Well, so we really, because let's face it, uh, you know, the audience may know that uh, in an effort to have this conversation, I had to submit some questions to you. And one of them was about rebooting projects that you had on the books. And in fact, you didn't need to do that because you just continued working, didn't you? Well, I think it's fair to say that there absolutely are projects that need a second book, given, for instance, provincial restrictions on capital projects or um, the ability for a private sector business to stay open. And so there are some things that we uh, have had to kind of adjust the timeline for. But in terms of, you know, offering what we do, which is, you know, we're often a matchmaker with a resource or accessing... um, other programs helping businesses navigate what is a fire hose of information these days on recovery programs. All of that we've been able to forge ahead. And, and in fact, we have quickly switched from, for instance, um, investment attraction to really supporting recovery. We've reached out to nearly 300 businesses now for, uh, you know, often what is becomes almost a one-hour conversation to understand the challenges, to connect with the right resources to uh, you know, really offer that that personal conversation to, to listen and to to track the information and the and and report back on on what it really looks like on the ground uh, for Sudbury. Well, and and I I suppose this is a good lead into we've kind of delayed this conversation. We were initially going to have it some time ago. It, it leads into the the survey that you've just completed. Is is that what those one hour sessions were about? Is to to dig a little deeper and find out what people were doing and what they needed to do and what kind of supports they needed to go forward after this? So the the, the outreach that we're doing with businesses is much uh, more fluid than that. So it's, oh. it's much more about a conversation customized to that person, that entrepreneur, that business, that organization. Um, we do track kind of what sector they're in, whether they've had to close completely or they're working from home or offering, you know, um, alternate hours or, or approaches. The, the survey that we've done in collaboration with Workforce Planning and the Chamber of Commerce is a very specific survey that 
are we doing on a more consistent basis to track, you know, in hard numbers, what, what it looks like, the reality for businesses currently on the, uh, on how it looks like, you know, in terms of workforce and layoffs and, and, and business revenues and, uh, and all and that's been changing. It's a moving target. But Meredith, can you give us a snapshot of what the survey, uh, again, we delayed a little bit having this conversation to give, well, you were going to do it anyways, to give you time to analyze the results. What what even big picture ideas have come out of this and, and what what things have been suggested by the survey? So I think that more than anything, I think there's a lot to be proud of. There are some really hard numbers. We know that there are job losses. There are business closures. We know that if businesses were not doing well before COVID hit, then they have a lot, a lot harder time maintaining their operations currently. And those businesses that did have a strong foundation are in much better position to weather the storm. And the numbers really, really do bear that out. Just looking for my highlights here. We also know that there are some, and we're seeing this as a trend on a broader basis, there are lots of companies that are now considering the opportunity to keep workforce at home, working from home. Um, so we might, might have just lost a little bit of that, Meredith. You're suggesting that businesses are seeing that they might be able to have a lot of their workforce actually work at home? Um, yes. So the opportunity to have your workforce work more flexible hours from home or from other areas and not necessarily in the business uh, location Yes, is very helpful. And so oh, I oh, of course it is. I mean, re- the reality is you don't want to have a big office with one, a lot of people not th- there. But even if you have grown your workforce, can people work remotely? Because each square foot of office space is a very... And if, of course, if your business is expanding... You, you can't continually, you write a five-year lease or a 10-year lease for a property. You can't just go and expand or contract. Uh, having a bit of ability to have people work at home gives you that kind of accordion uh, flexibility, push-pull. So, uh, you know, like almost half of the, a good half of the, of the businesses surveyed have reduced their hours and operations, or and then the other half really are working remotely but continuing operations. So I think the ability to to adapt has been demonstrated. The you know what is the expression? Necessity is the mother mother of invention. So I think this is really <laughs> definitely. Um, now a lot of folks have seen uh, contracts canceled or delayed. So there's also the challenge that right now you might not be able to keep people employed, but you do still have commitments that have been delayed. So I know there's a challenge with having to lay people off temporarily, but making sure that they're close at hand. Uh, when things pick up again. Of course. Of course, that does make so much sense. And I think a lot of people are very happy, at least from my perspective, of the with the companies they work for. They don't really want to leave, and they don't want to leave Sudbury because, let's face it, we're a right-sized city. And I'll say that again, we are a right-sized city. You know, I'm sure you've heard this many times, Meredith. Oh, I can get there in 20 minutes. We are Anything is, is no more than 20 minutes away. Well, Cape Real is a little further away, but we can get where we're going. We don't have the traffic problems of the big city. We don't have the, um, uh, the crime of a big city. We, we have a, a, a good selection of, of office space and manufacturing space. Uh, we're, we are a right-sized city, aren't we? Well, I'll tell you, um, Coffin Fort of Canada 
And apologies, folks, we had a, a small technical blip. Um, I am speaking with Meredith Armstrong over at the city of uh, Greater Sudbury. And Meredith, we were just talking about the survey that uh, that has gone on uh, through, well, actually it finished on the 15th of May, didn't it? We, yes, so we have collaborated on a survey. Um, and it, it, in fact, it will be done on a monthly basis in collaboration with workforce planning and the chamber and, and the city through economic development. Uh, and we know that this needs to happen over the longer term because as we've all experienced over the last couple of months, things continue to change all the time. And so it's not really, you know, a, a survey provides a snapshot in time. So if we want to get a good sense of how things actually look, uh, we need to be out there surveying folks uh, on a regular basis. Now, that being said, um, I think the collaborative approach also works really well for us because we know that everyone is, is overwhelmed with the amount of information out there and lots of people are doing surveys. So it also helps us kind of avoid survey fatigue as much as we can while also emphasizing the need for regular and consistent data that, that provides a, a benchmark and, and, and helps us understand what's going on. And as we were talking, we were also talking about as a right-sized city, and I think we're seeing a lot of, um, of cities of Sudbury's size become more and more attractive. We knew that there was already an interest in a certain demographic who are trying but failing to buy homes that lies in, you know, the Torontos and Montreals and Vancouver's of the world, and they're looking more and more uh, with interest at mid-sized cities, and Sudbury is, is well-placed for that quality of life, and... and we were talking about the short drive between destinations and uh, so there's no long commute and the access to uh, the outdoors and all that. And I'm glad you mentioned the commute because I, I just spoke to somebody the other day and they uh, they were talking about two-hour commutes down in southern Ontario yeah. and, and, you know, in one direction. I'm thinking, oh, how can you how can you possibly manage that in terms of having a family or 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 doing what Sudbury? Seriously, I go back to that twenty minute again. I don't think most people do a twenty minute commute. I mean, some people do, uh, some people do a little bit more, but uh, you know, by and large, uh, there are so many. And you're right about surveys. Good lord, if we did a survey every week, we would be able to track things better. But again, yeah. survey fatigue happens. Right. No. Now, the Conference Board of Canada, I was just going to mention the Conference Board of Canada uh, Metropolitan Housing Starts came out and um, saying that 60% of, of Canadian uh, cities have negative uh, expectations for the short term and the long term, but uh, there are 60 municipalities out of the 28 that they're tracking with positive trend expectations, and Greater Sudbury is one of those. So Greater Sudbury has positive ex- expectations for both, both the short in the long term uh, for housing starts. And this is a really good indicator for how things are looking for us. And housing starts are also really important because that also speaks to the opportunity to attract new citizens, speaks to the fact that there are jobs available, and and it's really kind of an indicator species. Uh, So we're we're seeing this as a really positive uh, number. Well, that might be a good uh, thing to monitor uh, for sure. Now, we just talked about people working at home. So it used to be office space availability or office uh, percentage of office space available um, for rent that used to indicate the health of an, an economy, a local economy. Um, but in fact, we won't need that anymore if we're going to be working at home. Um, 
we also know that uh, it costs so much per square foot. We talked about that. But it does cost a lot less to build a home, perhaps, in Sudbury per square foot than it does, say, in Toronto, because your trades don't have to travel so far. And we seem to be very adaptive here in Sudbury to to making it work, you know, in terms of housing. We find novel ways of doing infill projects. Sudbury is an exciting place to be. Oh, I certainly think so. It makes it easier for us to do our job in terms of attracting investment, attracting visitors and, 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 and new business uh, because there is such a lot going on. And I think Sudbury has a, a growing reputation as a really interesting, vibrant city that has a lot to offer. Now, population often is one of those things that tells us a little bit about growth. Are, I know there were some population projections before. Some were saying that we would lose a little bit and others that were being touted as we were going to gain a little bit. But it's kind of a, a wild card right now, isn't it? I think uh, it's too early to really make any really strong statements about how things are going to be. Um, it's important to remember that Sudbury was the only city in northern Ontario with um, an increase in our population in the last census. Yes. And um, we will watch very closely to see what the next census says. But even there, um, you know, the change between census years is going to be pretty significant. The change in the labor force is going to be significant. So I think that people need to go where the jobs are. And, and for the short term, at least, that's going to determine, hopefully, you know, we will have lots of good jobs that, that attract people. But we know it's not an easy situation right now economically. No. You know, uh, we have had an uh, amazing uh, leadership also in both municipal, provincial, and federal. Uh, you know, I can start at the top and talk about the, the collaborative, the, the natural dance that happens between uh, Mark Saray and Paul Lefebvre. I can talk again about that, that uh, great duet of of uh, Frangelina and uh, and Jamie West and and then I can go to the municipality and say you know uh, things seem to be really clicking and is that one of the reasons why we've and we've had great support from Fednor and others is are those things is it this perfect storm that's happening that's making Sudbury just this place to be? Well, I think it's a longer term thing. I think it's been happening for many years that Sudbury has been growing. You know, the the transition from simply a mining uh, city to one that is known all over the world for mining expertise, our incredible regreening story. I'm glad you uh, touched on that. We'll go more there in a minute. The francophone element that we have, our indigenous uh, history, um, I, you know, like great places to visit and access to 330 lakes. I mean, there's a whole raft of reasons that I think we're, we're growing at, um, in terms of a positive reputation. And often it's people who live right here at home who are harvest-convinced. Well, and we've, you know what, we do work hard, but we also play hard. You're right. We've got incredible opportunities here, and I'm sure that's part of the marketing of Sudbury. You know, uh, the Lake, Torrent- Lake Laurentian Conservation Authority, the the Rainbow Roots process, the, the cycling uh, infrastructure that's being built. The I, I, I make a list of all of the right things that are happening, including the, uh, the Water Sports Center and, I mean, You've got kids, right? Yes. Uh, The hope is that they, well, they they could go and see the world, but they know that they could always come back here and probably find work, right? Well, that's the hope. That's for sure. I mean, I think that it's important to go out and see the world and experience different things and and learn new ways of doing things and then, yeah, bring it home and, and, uh, and make the community stronger. 
Have you uh, you followed? I did a story some time ago on the uh, Joe and his brother, the Eibel brothers, over at uh, Flosonics. Uh, MedTech is also a growing segment of of the Sudbury economy. You know, we've got the facility on on uh, on Walford Road, but MedTech, like Flosonics, you must. Actually, from your perspective, this must be an incredible time to be working in economic development. Well, we are working on a number of initiatives to assist, that really focus on the startup and the scale-up of new business centers, and, and MedTech is certainly one of those. Our efforts include the establishing of a, of a downtown business incubator, which is in partnership with uh, NORCAT and the Chamber, uh, to house and support new ventures. We've got the Subway Catalyst Fund, which I mentioned earlier. It's a brand-new $5 million venture capital fund. And again, that one's with the Greater Subway Development Corporation, or GSDC, together with Nickel Basin and NORCAT, uh, and FedNOR, too. Mm. And then, of course, you mentioned Walford Road. We've got HSNRI's 15,000-square-feet research facility, and that has uh, $1.75 million in it uh, from the city and the GSDC. And that's really, you know, it's interesting to see how they've converted that space to the testing facilities to up our testing numbers for COVID, too, on, on Walford Road. Well, um, and it's home to the local MedTech startup that you mentioned. We're, we're very good at pivoting, aren't we, Meredith? <laughs> I, I would say so, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you, I was quite excited when you mentioned regreening. Uh, I've certainly seen a number of groups from around the world, including from Norilsk in, in Russia, come here and marvel at what we've done. We're, I mean, even as residents, long-term residents, we are, we're marveling at how, how beautiful our, I mean, it was never not beautiful, but it had a different kind of beauty. But right now, it's, it's a green city. Well, I think there's a reason that Science North is, is focusing on the regreening story as they develop the, the new IMAX film with Dr. Jane Goodall, that's for sure. So we've got David Bickley who is very well-known locally as a, as a, as a director uh, working on this IMAX. Uh, and it is called Reasons for Hope, and it's with Dr. Goodall. And the Sudbury Regreening stories will be featured as one of the, the vignettes in the film to talk about you know, the incredible change that has happened here over those past you know, 40 years or so. Well, and, and yes, 40 years. It Maybe it doesn't seem... Well, I, I can't believe it. It's been 40 years, but uh, my goodness. And of course, uh, you, you've you lived here how long, Meredith? So I came I came to Sudbury in 2003 for a one-year Sudbury internship. And, uh, and here you are still. <laughs> <laughs> well, Meredith Armstrong, Acting Director of Economic Development for the City of Greater Sudbury, I want to say thank you so much for appearing here on this program, QOL. Uh, this special, of course, that will be aired during this pandemic period. We're approaching the end of May, so this will likely be out there for people to access in in probably, well, certainly before the 31st of May. Uh, Meredith Armstrong, I want to say thank you so much. Meredith, this has been a, 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 it's been a long road to get to you, but I'm glad that we've had this, this discussion and, and people will uh, profit from knowing that good things are happening in Sudbury. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time today. Okay, thank you. Take care.